Ladies and gentlemen of Jets Nation from around the world, you're listening to the Good, the Bad, and the Jets podcast. On the move. A lot of time. Directing traffic. Gonna go deep. Have a man deep. It is caught for the touchdown. Corey Davis. Get used to the mantra, all gas, no break. Flag go over the middle. It's caught. Touchdown. Garrett Wilson. Yes, sir. Let's go, man! <laughs> and now, let's kick it over to your hosts, Brandon Ferris and Spencer Klein. Welcome, everyone, to the Good, the Bad, and the Jets podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ferris, and alongside me is Spencer Klein. It is Monday night. No victory Monday for the second week in a row. The Jets lose a tough one in wintry Buffalo this past weekend. And the Chargers won Sunday night. So we are officially looking at the Jets out of the playoff picture. But, you know, at the end of the day, obviously we're disappointed. I'm sure you're disappointed in the loss. But. We haven't felt this disappointed in December. I mean, we have, but in a different way. We haven't been this disappointed about playoffs in seven or eight years. So I think we can take that as a, a little moral victory to start the week off. What do you think? I'll, I'll try to take it as a moral victory. Like, I, I don't know if I fully can, but I, but I agree. I get it at the same time. It's We're having different discussions in December versus what we've basically been having every year prior to this so that's that's a step in the right direction we, we could put it with that lens on it that's that's a fact no denial there no matter what and like we're looking at games that are important for once the Jets actually had Jim Nance and Tony Romo calling the game which is kind of a big deal it seems like I personally don't care who calls the game it's not affecting them winning or losing but I guess to some it's it's a big deal. So we'll see. The The next four are really important. We'll probably touch upon that later this episode. But I think well, one big thing we got to talk about or at least mention is from, from this past game is Quinn and Williams is hurt, which is very bad for the defense. He had two sacks and then went down with a calf injury. It looks like he's day-to-day, it seems like, from the staff. But... Are you worried, Spence, at all about Quinn and Williams moving forward? And then we'll, we'll get into the rest of the game. I think overall, moving forward, I'm not. Seems like seems like it truly is a day to day thing. I'd say for the immediate, though, like this upcoming week, my early feel is you're not going to see him. I also, if I were them, I would be caution. Sorry, I would use caution there and hold him out as well. I think you have the depth or reason and not, not to look down at the opponent this week, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't only try to push because you need him for that final three stretch just as much as well. It's like, I think if you can afford a week to have a rest, as you saw this on Twitter as well, especially with the short week coming up with the Jags the week after, I think it'd be wise to at least have him ready for that game at, at, at I guess like at worst, like, I don't know, or at best, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying there with that, but. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna interject because I, I don't love your reasoning at first, but then you sold me on the short week. 
I I would never say you can afford to lose a player. A game is a cakewalk. Like it's a week to week game. You see yeah. that. So I, I wouldn't use that as a reason to hold him out. They they like, can't afford to lose this game realistically. So I think that with with the short week, I think that makes most sense. And I would use that as the reasoning to keep him out, not because of the opponent or because they have the depth. You, you got to win the games, especially. Yeah. So from their perspective, I agree. They're not. They, I, I highly hope they're not thinking that. <laughs> like outside the organization perspective, like I, well, I guess we're going to start talking about the game, upcoming game later this week, but. Feel pretty good about the Lions game. That's all I'll say. <laughs> so I guess that's what's feeding into my initial thought there. But yeah, the, the short week factor the, beyond that is the one that stands out to me as is huge. We, we need, you need him for at that at least because we'll see what happens this Sunday, upcoming Sunday. But yeah, it's a. I guess it's it's a, it's a mixed bag right now. I, I don't I don't know. Need to hear more on the day to day report simply from Salah to get more of a feel on it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we'll see him. But when we do our preview episode later this week, hopefully we'll get a, a better sense of, of what's going on. Other than that, we got a few other injuries. Uh, Corey Davis, shocker, is hurt. I don't even know what to think of him if he's going to be back <laughs> anytime soon. He could be out for the rest of the year for all I know or for all I care. But, I mean, it is a big blow when he's not on the field because – Yes, Denzel Mims can take over for him, but Mims is no Corey Davis. And as much flack as we and, and the rest of the fan base gives him, he is kind of clutch in, in some ways. Yeah, he's had his big moments, and then he has his low moments. It's it's really such a mixed bag on his time with the Jets so far. And I truly go up and down every week, and all right, we're going to cut him in the offseason and save the cap. Or if you go to the other approach of, all right, we'll restructure it. <laughs> and yeah, I guess more the, the main point there. It's not coming back on that same salary when you can't stay on the field like this. He can't. Yeah. So that's that's the two options that go into my head each week <laughs> based on his his play and availability. Always comes down to those two. Yeah. And then the other big injury from this past game was Mike White getting hurt. Looked like numerous times in those ribs. I feel confident that he should be back out on Sunday. He exited for a I think a quarter, quarter and a half, came back after his x-rays were fine in the locker room. Also, pretty cool that they can do x-rays in the locker room. Or, like, that's crazy. It seems like they just took him for precautionary testing. Did they give any updates on him yet? Yes, yeah, same reporting, simply that he had on, on Quinnen. He meaning solid, like, day-to-day as well. Uh, from Mike White's mouth himself, he said he's he's playing this Sunday. That means- Listen to that because Jamar Chase said that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they, they're obviously going to say things like that. Publicly. Yeah, I, never take that. Yeah, what it is. I do think though you'll see him this Sunday. I, I mean, it's kind of what I was saying to you after the game. Like he was healthy enough to go back into the game. Yeah, don't see how he wouldn't be ready with multiple days of rest heading into next Sunday. And I think we both agree he should be starting if he's healthy. Correct, and I'm bringing in a new piece to the pod. It's called the Multiple Things Can Be True segment because <laughs> we need to make this clear week after week again. Oh, my God. Okay. It has to be. I mean, there's a couple points. Like, did he show toughness yesterday? No doubt about that. Yeah. Do we see that 
all the time in the league? Yes, as well. <laughs> Are there good and bad players that happens to? Yes, as well. We can, I'm not going down that tangent. The point is, showed his toughness. He had some good balls, no doubt. Had a, he, he played pretty solid when they needed to have a big-time throw. It also could be true that he's the check-down king, doesn't like to throw past the six on third down, and I'm waiting to see a deep ball. All that can be true at once. He also can be a better option than Zach right now and also should not be in the discussion for the future. That's all I will say there. That all can be a fact altogether. Yeah, I saw someone tweet that because of his toughness, he's now a franchise quarterback for the future, which I thought was the most absurd thing I've ever seen. We've seen... Uh, again, not denying his toughness. Good for him. Like that's obviously tough to come back from. And I mean, I broke a rib over the summer, and it was brutal. And I don't know if he broke his ribs or whatever bruised them, but I would assume he'll wear a flak jacket on on Sunday, and hopefully he can be protected. But just because he shows toughness doesn't mean he's a good quarterback. I mean, in hockey, you got guys like Ryan McDonough played a whole playoff with a broken foot, broken foot. Ivan Pellick of the Islanders played with a broken wrist. Like football players, I'm not that impressed with 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 toughness. And I mean, toughness doesn't make you a good player either. I think pretty much all players in the league are tough if you made it to that level. Like, of course, I, it, it's impressive he got back in, but I'm not moved on. Let, let's look at the big picture here. I'm not moved one bit. Let's just take the out sometimes. I have a question: Were you happy when he got hurt? No, like, why would it be? It makes no sense. <laughs> Neither was I, because we saw the worst possible thing to happen. Joe, Joe Flacco comes in. All right, let's just, yeah, let's get into the game. Joe Flacco comes in in relief and immediately fumbles the ball. <laughs> that was horrendous. I, I truly think he had no interest in being out there yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like, rain, cold, wet. Everything about that situation, like at this stage of his career, like he did not want to step foot on the field. <laughs> I, I yeah. think we, I think he proved this wrong. He is, he is not better. He is not a better option anymore. He correct. He, and and Zach Wilson should be the backup. And I think that's pretty, a pretty common stance uh, from Jets Nation right now that Zach yeah. be the backup because you can't have Flacco doing that again. No, he's he's. He's basically got to be the senior in the room to just kind of talk on experience. <laughs> he, he Different in the first three weeks. Yes, they only went one and two. It was what it was. But, like, there was something there, for, especially in that Browns when there was stuff there. But I think that stuff is uh, – he's collecting the checks at this point <laughs> and hanging out. Yeah, so that fumble was bad. And then the Michael Carter fumble was also very bad. Two fumbles that may have probably cost them the game. And, uh, I mean, another thing we could talk about the running back room, Zonovan Knight, stud, but Michael Carter doesn't suck. He's not a terrible player. He's, like, we've seen him play pretty well. People wanted to anoint him as the franchise running back before they drafted Brees Hall, and now, after a few poor showings and a bad fumble, they want to cut him. That's, I think that's ridiculous. The The Jets fan base is the most reactionary fan base I've ever seen. It's insane. I'll add to the multiple things can be true segment for, <laughs> for my part. Is Zonovan better now? Probably. More than probably. Clearly. Zonovan's better. That's a definite. Yeah, clearly. Clearly. Uh, is Michael Carter bad? Doesn't mean he's bad. 
But can he still be a valuable piece to the room? Like, absolutely. All that could happen at once. Crazy things, right? And and plus, he's still on his rookie deal. Like, you don't just cut these guys who have shown good potential when they're on their rookie deals. You'll like this. I saw this on Twitter. I, I really need to go back and find who, who tweeted this out. The fans are allergic to death. They want nothing to do with death. One bad play, you're gone. Yeah. At least. Trade it. Like, it's okay to have death. <laughs> you, you need that in the league. Just relax. Especially when it's cheap contracts. Like, their running back, I know I'm really looking ahead, but next year's running back room, perfect situation, perfect cost, perfect talent. That's that's the the perfect running back room you want to, to have the best, simply, yeah, play it, cost, and everything. Yeah, I mean, Carter did not play well, obviously. Didn't see many snaps. Uh, Knight kind of took over the show, and he, he has that burst, like you said. He looks good when running, and he scored his... His touchdown, big uh, fantasy day for my dynasty team. And like he should definitely be RB1 moving forward, and he's going to cement himself as probably RB2 next year. Yeah, and I'll, I'll question the Jets for, for swapping Knight out for Carter. Honestly, at all. No reason to take the ball out of Knight's hand right now. Like that, that was to me, was silly. Yeah, it's easy to look back and say just because he fumbled, but like what, what did Knight need a breather for or anything like that? Like at the moment, Pretty close to an every down back. And to be honest, Mike, I know we, we just talked a little bit about Michael Carter, but I haven't seen that burst there. I haven't seen that juice. Yeah, he still slides off the tackles here and there, but I, it just, from the eye test, I'll forget, go beyond the eye test. I believe his yards per carry is under four. It just hasn't been a productive season for him. It, it's okay that he's having a bad year. I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay to acknowledge that. I, I disagree he's having a bad year. I think he was, he, I think he was, viable in the first half before the injury and i think since he's come back from injury he just hasn't looked the same like when when him and hall were running together i think he looked pretty good and it's a fair take honestly i, I don't know, maybe be a little more critical of him i think it's it's been overshadowed by the more talented back yeah <laughs> both times yeah i mean the run the run game is pretty good i they gotta stop with a third third down shotgun runs when it's like third and one, I, I hate a shotgun run. It's my least favorite play because you're asking the running back to get three or four yards before going to the line of scrimmage. I, I never understand that one. And like, if I know teams are, which I understand the game evolves, they love doing RPO stuff now. But when you need one, just get under center. It's, it's not hard. It's not difficult. If you get stuffed on one, as I always say, yes will be annoyed in the moment, but is that the highest percentage decision to make? Yes. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And uh, from the wide receiver room, Garrett Wilson is going to be one of the best wide receivers in franchise history if he keeps this up. He just passed Keyshawn for the most receiving yards in a rookie year. So he is, everything is advertised and more. He's just so good. that. that fingertip grab, was that him or more? That was him on the sideline, right? Yeah, I believe it was him. He's he's so good. It's, like, unreal. Like, you always see players like Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and see these other teams get these stars and, and players who change the game, like Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs. But now the Jets finally have one in Garrett Wilson. Thank God for that. Yeah, he, he's a beast. And he's only just beginning. <laughs> yeah. 
Think of it that way. There's so much more to come. It's possible he has already won Pepsi Rookie of the Week. Yeah. I, I think they might uh, put Knight up for that. Yeah, I mean, this might be Knight's chance. He, he absolutely performed as well. I mean, if a Jet is nominated, again, we know what's happening there. So, of course. <laughs> Everyone is nominated is going to win it this week. But yep. even as far as the fan voting, yeah, Knight absolutely, I would say, have earned, would have earned it this week. And Elijah Moore has been a revelation since the whole trade and, and benching debacle. So I am officially rescinding the alarm on Elijah Moore. Yeah, and, that, and that's credit to Joe Douglas and Salah and his staff. Uh, I would say they handled it pretty well now looking back. Not the best they could because they could have been avoided if they were just more scripted up for him. But they're almost close to that, to be honest. So glad he's he's smiling now, performing. And uh, and yeah, as, as, you, as you described it, the situation is what it is now. It's productive. Yeah. Uh, the tight end room is starting to concern me. Tyler Conklin is, I don't know what his problem is, but he's got to sit down for a bit. They got to get Uzama back in there. I, I can't trust Tyler Conklin right now. His it's second, time to push up the reps. His second half. Not be getting the, the pass catching options all the time. What? I was saying that it's time to take the reps back from to Conklin and give some of those to Uzama. Like, you just can't have Conklin being tied at one right now. There's too many costly drops. Yeah, like his Even tested balls. Like you, you got to make plays sometimes. His second half of the seasons has just been brutal. Yeah, it's, it's been costly in situations. So many catches that could have could have made differences. Yeah, it just hasn't hasn't been able to come down with those contested plays. That that's really what I keep coming back to in my head. And. Like Uzama again, Uzama's not bad. He's pretty good, and he's a big guy. Like he, he's a perfect red zone target. Yeah, I that that's where you can criticize the floor a little bit. Like, there's really not been much drawn up for Uzama in that area. I, I can't recall many plays, not just this week, but throughout the season where that that Uzama's had the opportunity to score a touchdown. Like, just say it that way, like a pass attempt in the red zone. I can't remember many. He LaFleur has not been good in the red zone these past two games. Again, he's chalking up key plays for Braxton Barrios to catch the ball again. Like he did that this week as well. And he's gonna stop that. If if you want if you want to do a, a slot play, put Elijah Moore in there, not Braxton Barrios. Yeah, they, they, they overuse him on offense. He absolutely has his role, but it's it's going a little beyond what it should be the past few games. And the, like, just some, some play calls have just not been great. Uh, and I think people are using him as the big scapegoat, but some of this is also on on Mike White, and we could talk about his performance. Very like take away the injury and the toughness and and everything. Look at the stats and look how he played when he was on the field. Very pedestrian showing for Mike White. Nothing too impressive. Second game in a row, no touchdowns, and like I've see, I saw plays where guys were open down the field. Elijah Moore open in the the center of the field, and White just goes to the check down immediately. and And I appreciate him getting the ball out quickly, but sometimes you have to just wait and and hit those crossing targets that are made for you. I like what you said there. It's, it he, sometimes it's too quickly <laughs> that he's literally getting it out, like. Yeah, 
let it develop a little bit more. Uh, the one I'm going to criticize him on, and I'll say heavily, is third down. Throw the damn ball past the, the chain. Yeah, I fume. Whatever, the, the play was stripped up what it was. There's always a, a safety valve option on, on those types of plays. You don't need to be in the room to know that. Fans just un- I trust that fans understand that, at least. You need to just be situational and throw it past the chains. I, I was getting a little annoyed throughout that game yesterday, like third and six, third and eight, third and 13. Let's throw it for five. Let's throw it for six. Let's throw it for eight. The goal is to get a first down. Stop doing that sometimes. And yeah, it's a collective effort, but like that's you, you need to do more than that. <laughs> you need to give yourself the chance for your you have the widest to make those plays. Just let them do it. And they've showed the past couple of weeks with the quarterback change that they weren't able to do it. That's that's my heavy criticism, the third down problem this past week. And I remember it was like third and seven, and he throws a two yard pass the time. Put my hands up. I was like, What are you doing? Come on. The problem is, yes, those plays are probably scripted so that there's more check down, air, like check down players, and that's because of the limitations from Mike White as well. Like again, you can talk about your segment here. Multiple things can be true. He is the check down king, but he's accurate and like he can get the ball out. But that doesn't mean he's a franchise quarterback. Again, we know what he is. He's very average. He's good at the checkdowns. Although he did have one bad throw yesterday, <laughs> a Zach White, uh, a Zach White, a Zach Wilson esque throw in, in the flat. I forgot who who it, it was towards, but he just spiked it <laughs> right in front of the guy. Yeah, and he oh, there should be some credit given. He had a couple of good, very good balls uh, right on the sideline multiple times. You know, Garrett Wilson, I think, was involved with what one, at least one of those or two of those. His sideline ball was very good yesterday. Yeah, they were big time third down conversions. No doubt about that. It's just, let's, you got to put it all together to be in that discussion for past the final four games here. <laughs> I, I'm not moved at all on, on the three games that we've seen now. No, he, he's one and two, hasn't thrown the touchdown in, in two games. Yeah, I just want to add one thing to that because I've seen this criticism today to, People making statements like that about his record. Like, quarterback wins, they're hard to judge, I will say. It's not not something else that you just can't not count. Like, there's reasons you're in those situations to win or lose. So, like, just want to add to that point because I know that's that's a point that I've just seen out there. People are like, what? It's not a quarterback stat. How could you say that? <laughs> like, white high. Like, that's not, it's not the right way to take a look at it, in my opinion. But in, in the context... Both games were winnable, and he couldn't beat the defenses. Yeah, like you just gotta, gotta, gotta finish the drives. And so, like, I'm not specifically blaming White or solely blaming White. Obviously, Lafleur has to do some better play calling, but at the end of the day, it's the quarterback's team. He's, like I said a few pods ago, he's not a quarterback who's gonna beat the defense on his own. And he could have this week. He could have last week. So. We'll see what happens uh, in Detroit, not in Detroit, against Detroit. But I, I think another big guy who was a scapegoat this week as to who the blame for the loss was C.J. Mosley. Let's switch over to the defense. I think C.J. Mosley, and I think you agree, that he's getting a lot of unfair blame for that fourth down encroachment offside, whatever penalty it was. Obviously, 
no one knows what the Bills are going to do. It's also one play of the game. Yes, it, it was a critical play. But at the same time, you can't just blame him for one stupid play. And you can't discredit him for what he's done all season. All of a sudden, he sucks. He's expendable because one stupid play. That's, it's absurd. He made the mistake. Yes, he is partly to blame, but it's not all his fault. I just thought the reaction to the play was honestly odd. Like, it, here, let's break. Just, just talk about the exact play again. Yeah. It was like, what, fourth and one, I believe, on their like, own 40, approximately. Yeah. Uh, Allen lined up on her center, or maybe in the gun. I don't recall that piece exactly. But then he kind of like turned to the side and put his hands up again as a, well, not again, I didn't say it, as a distraction. I've seen that, we've seen that play called multiple times, not just by Buffalo. Put his hands up to like, be like oh my God, what's going on? Or, or whatever. Don't need to even <laughs> pretend what he was saying. Dawson Knox like, goes in motion to like line up under center to take the snap for a sneak to try to keep shoot, to try to catch the defense off guard. I, I think Mosley timed it almost perfectly, and I think the reaction was no way he was snapping that. Agree <laughs> with that? He looked pretty much ready to take the snap. I I don't think Dawson Knox was going to do a hard count <laughs> and try to draw the defense offside. I find that hard to believe. Maybe that's the minority take on this one, but I think he was absolutely going to snap the ball and, and try to get that yard. Like, the the uproar was insane, though. Yeah, it was like, everyone flipped out, and like, yeah, Mosley, pro- I mean, probably didn't need to jump over. <laughs> obviously, it would have been terrific if it if it all went as he timed it, but like, I, I can't fully blame him for that there, because also, you could just get stopped right after that. Like, it was a little over-aggressive, but you you make other plays there, it, it's it, then it's done. It doesn't matter. And they, I won't say collapsed, but they just couldn't get stops the rest of that drive. Yes, but uh, I, I'm still not blaming the defense for the, the game as a whole. They, no, they they did their job, I would say. They, they kept Diggs and Davis under 40 yards each. And you can hear Josh Allen in his press conference how frustrated he seems after playing the, the Jets defense. I just want to see the Jets again. What? He doesn't want to see the Jets again. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> and like his stats obviously aren't as good as as he when he plays other teams. So like the defense was was very good again. You you can't be mad at that performance when giving up that little points when Quinnen was out for half the game. It's it's tough. Like yeah. th- this team is just a QB away from being yeah. uh, Super Bowl champions. I almost said World Cup champions is <laughs> on, my, on my mind. But like Quinnen, two sacks but before he left. And the, the defense line still held up when, when he left. The, the cornerbacks, obviously, great. I think we have to talk about the safeties who have been struggling the past week, the past few weeks. Jordan Whitehead, I'm getting a little sick of... Joiner kind of invisible. The uh, I I know the one play you want to highlight was, I forgot who caught the ball, but I think it was oh, Dick actually. Yeah, like, yeah, so they were going to. They, they were in zone, and Whitehead just took the worst angle and just could not wasn't even trying to cover Diggs either. It was just a, a horrendous play, and I think that one set up the Dawson Knox touchdown as well. Right, 
got like little Ashton Davis buys out of that play. Like the angle was just so poor. Like he turned like what we probably should have been just like, all right, it would have been a first and probably regardless, maybe a third 10 to 15 yard gain turned into like 35, 40. Cause he just took a disaster angle. Like, yeah, I, I just, just live at those things. Like li- live it, live for another play. That's all you need to do. Uh, yeah, he's, he's having some struggles. I, I don't know if it's like that he needs a better partner with him in the second, in the safety room or whatever that may be. That's, that's certainly something they're going to have to fix in the off season. But yeah, he's just been the culprit for many big chunk plays that when they get to the second level, it, it seems to be him <laughs> specifically. Like the, the safeties are good enough to keep the defense from being brutal, but it's, it's definitely the weakest point of, of the defense. Yeah. Agreed. And one other person I want to highlight sliding uh, to the, the D-line again, Bryce Huff. I mean, <laughs> absolutely terrific player. And, and he uh, he killed the Buffalo last time they played, too. Yeah. Honestly, he, they, they missed multiple holding calls that probably should have been called. Like, he was just I, – I don't recall exactly who he was rushing around all day. Spencer but, Brown. Oh, yes. That's who I th- I thought I saw some tweets mentioning that name. You're, you're correct. He was just eating him up all day. Like you, you could have had many more holding calls that would have just changed their drives. He's, yeah, he he's just special. <laughs> that that was a, it's a Joe Douglas gem. I know we've said that multiple times already before this, but yeah, he, he's just worthy of that mention. He stands out week after week and stood out absolutely yesterday. I kind of think Robert Sala deserves some jail time for scratching him the first couple weeks. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm cracking up. I don't know what was going on with their room evaluations at that time. I I have no answer, to be honest. And he was a healthy scratch, too. Yeah, it was kind of bizarre looking back on it now. Because he's like, is he the best edge rusher they have? Yes. Like, am I, Is he better than Carl Lawson? I I don't know. <laughs> it's it's real scratching. I think that's the point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very close. Exactly. Like, he... He's been more valuable than Carl Lawson. Is he a better player? I don't know. Is that fair? That's a fair answer. And the fact that this discussion just shows how good Huff is. And it's not a slight to Carl Lawson at all. I'm yep. not going to take a jab at him because I, I absolutely still am a huge fan of him. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another guy on the defensive line we got to highlight, Jermaine Johnson. Huge punt block to get that safety. Yeah, he's he continues to have an impact week after week, and I, I I saw this discourse prior to the game last week. Excuse me, this past week, like just just because he has a couple of sacks doesn't mean he was a bust. Like everyone with the reactionary taste, I don't know if you saw it. I, I definitely no. saw. It. No, I I didn't see that. But yeah, I mean, some criticism of Jermaine of like not that good, bad pick. Like what's with the? <laughs> it's just with everything. Everything's a rush judgment. So just had to throw that out there because, yeah, Jermaine, he's, week after week, he makes impactful plays. Well, he's also he's also not, um, I guess, he had a lot of sacks in college, but he's more of a run-stopper mm-hmm. style. Uh, number two, he was hurt for a little bit. Yeah. Number three, he's a rookie on a, a really crowded and talented defensive line, so everyone needs to relax. In, in the small percentage of plays that he's played he's been impactful and that's like, the biggest point i think like the percentage of plays the snaps haven't been there to have that like extra production like th- there's first round rookies that don't play all year and then they bloom after year two or three like 
got to have some patience. Yes, he's 23, 24, but we, when we went over the draft recap, we said their first four picks need to be day one contributors, and they all have been, including Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. So I, I don't see what, what the hate is there. If they want to cut Lawson in the offseason, then he, Johnson slides right in and rotates with Bryce Huff. Yeah, I I agree with that. It's it's um it's a scenario they have if if they need to do that route in a couple of months. I I still think they hit a home run with him. I'm not concerned. I, like he, um, he, he's very hundred percent. He he's very good. Yeah. So I mean, defensive wise, otherwise on Sunday, I mean, not much else to say. They kind of as they've continued to do week after week, keep them in the ball game. Yep. It's, one theme from the past used to have like one pretty poor drive to turn the seven. Expect them to fix that in the final four, which we'll talk about in a moment. But one one thing I wanted to bring up, just kind of outside of the defense, is uh, it was Braxton Barrios in the return game. <laughs> Wait, before we go into that, I know okay. we we talked about one thing. I thought you were going to bring it up. Defense did not have any turnovers again. Oh yes, I I did forget about that. Yeah, they're 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 due. It's it's been it's been a difference simply in the last two games. <laughs> they haven't uh, haven't stolen one over, and it's you, you need to give your offense a short field sometimes. So I mean, when when you lose the turnover battle, which the Jets have done two two to nothing, I think in the last two games, mm-hmm. they they lost the the two fumbles this game and then the two interceptions last game. Tough to win those games when you lose the turnover battle, and that's why the Jets' defense have been so good because in the first half. They were creating so many turnovers, forcing fumbles, getting interceptions. So hopefully they write that ship this week against Detroit. But I did want to point out one amazing play that, that I loved from Sauce Gardner. When the ghost of John Brown almost uh, scored on that fly route in the end zone. First of all, I didn't even know he was still around. Second of all, great play by Sauce there, breaking that up. If, if John Brown would have scored, then there would have been a huge issue. That would have been my answer pregame in the preview part of someone who can't make a play against him. I, as you said, I wasn't even aware he was on their practice squad. Yeah, I had no clue he was on the team. I didn't even know he was in the league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Sauce is just, he's just so good. Another outstanding home run. He, if he's not all pro, it's, it's going to be a crime. Same with Quinnen. And then hopefully Quinnen's good enough to, uh, well, well enough to play next week. But like both of them have been invaluable, and he's definitely going to get paid, Quinnen. Hundred percent agreed. He's having his Aaron Judge year, uh, for, for the Jets. Yeah, that's that's really like the perfect comparison. Yeah. So yeah, let's go over to the special teams unit. Braxton Barrows has been bad this year returning. Would you agree? For the most part, having like it's just been more mistakes than. And and it's not a reactionary take from this past weekend. I I think I've been saying that most of the year anyway. Yeah. Pod is the episodes are out there. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the hell he was doing this weekend. It it was really bad. And you you wanted them to bench him at one point. Yeah. Like they were flipping. It was impacting field position too much. Like, what are you doing? Like, First one of the game, I will, I'll half defend. I mean, first we should have caught the ball. Don't know why he just let it bounce. And then, like, I, I, 
I'll, I'll defend him slightly there. That I'm glad he ran away. It's like if he jumped and tipped that and didn't bring that down, I would have, I would have melted <laughs> down in that moment there. But just too many in that game yesterday. It was like literally running away from the ball. I, I don't know what you're doing. Like had chances to just at least like fair catch it. How, how many? How many? Like there was, or excuse me, there was like multiple punts that like finished like what inside the ten, inside the fifteen because of him just sprinting away. Yeah, I was gonna say the Jets had really bad starting field position that game. Yeah, I I, I really don't know what was going on there with him. It was contributing to negative drives multiple times. Yeah, the, the first punt I will defend him as well, but the rest of the game, like, yeah, the weather sucks and everything, but at the same time, everyone, well, not everyone, a lot of teams playing snow. If you're going to live in Jersey and play in Jersey, you have to be prepared to play in snow. So I kind of want to hear the excuses about that. It just was a, a poor effort for Berrios and continuing with, with the theme of the season. He has not been as advertised. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not a good campaign for him. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Greg Zerline, star. Mr. Reliable. Braden man, not that good anymore. <laughs> I would bring in competition for the final four weeks. I'm not kidding. Well, <laughs> halfway through the season, we had man as puncher of the year, and now he's just... It was like he was solid, and he's just... He's, he's struggling again. I was a soccer goalie, and I would punt the ball a lot. So I, I understand that sometimes you shank a punt, but you're a professional punter. Like, you're one of the best one of thir- 32 in the world. How can you be this bad sometimes? Like, it's not, it can't be that hard to punt the ball. Like, there's, there's just only so many of the punter jobs available. <laughs> you could be replaced tomorrow. <laughs> Glad to right now. I, I'll never let Joe Douglas live down um, cutting Thomas Moore said. Yeah, foolish. Very fantastic for Miami. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good transition in uh, into the Miami Chargers game. I think that was a good result. We we definitely have to talk about it because it it affects it affects the Jets the most. It seems like it's a good result that the Chargers won. It's going to be the next tight four weeks though for all three teams. Really. Yeah. Ah. Uh... My my eyes now have shifted from the Chargers to Miami. They're absolutely still on the Chargers, but it's it's on to Miami in my my head of who we need to all focus on as the fan base. Um, yes, and I'm I'm not even like counting the Pats in there. I will put that out there clearly. Down the stretch, they'll lose tonight potentially. Although as we're recording, like Kyler just went down with a non-contact injury, so wow, be something going on there. Not I. No expertise in that, but that's literally what I just saw on the screen. But yeah, tying it back to that. Uh yeah, I'm not I'm not even counting the past and that they just they have a tough stretch for the final five, including their game tonight. Uh yeah, so the Miami one. Like at this stage it's looking pretty likely or likely maybe it's a stronger very good chance that it's winning in, in week eighteen if they get their job done before the Jets. Obviously, you have to beat the Lions. You have to beat uh, the Jags. 
I won't say you have to beat Seattle because this is what I, that's why I'm saying my eyes are fully on Miami now is let's say the Chargers even run away. They go, whatever, three and one, four and oh, the rest of the way. They're, they, they'd be ahead of the Jets, obviously, at four and oh, even if the Jets were to go four and oh, at the same pace of three and one. Say the Jets go three and one and Miami loot drops one more. They have, uh, they have Buffalo coming down the stretch. They have New England down the stretch. They have Green Bay. Uh, all the Jets need to do, they got to stay one game behind Miami. So let's say, even let's say the Jets lose to Seattle, but Miami loses to Buffalo. Fine. <laughs> like you're still one game behind. Uh, even if the Jets go ahead, like let's say the Jets are 3 0 heading into the Miami game and Miami's 2 1 the rest of the way. Miami wins. And then, excuse me, if Miami were to win week 18, they're right back in the spot too over the Jets. It seems pretty likely it's going to come down to what to. To week eighteen in that in that final game, I uh, just being realistic with the schedules down the rest of the path, and what of course for the Jets, what we think what they're capable of doing, which is, in my opinion, I don't think a sweep the next three is unreasonable, or, or at a minimum two and one. Yes, minimum two and one. Everything can be avoided if they just win games. I mean, it's crazy to say it was not even a lock if they go if they were to go four and zero that they're in. There is a path where that doesn't work. Yeah, but then like Miami and the Chargers would have to go four and out as well. Yeah. Well, no. Well, New England, like no, New England could technically. Okay, but if the Jets go four and out, then that means they they would be ahead of Miami because Miami could only go three and one, right? Yes, but if New England were to win tonight and the rest of their path as well as the Chargers. They could be out at an eleven and six. Excuse me, at a eleven and six scenario, which is ridiculous, but it's oh right, yeah, it's an error. They'll have to actually think about. Yeah, it's it's annoying how the Pats are still in it. They're so bad. Yeah, someone needs to just they got to be taken out within the next week or two. <laughs> Stop thinking about them. And again, that could have been avoided if Zach Wilson wasn't an idiot. Yeah. So I mean, more of the story though with with that path that's coming up, like. Win the next two. If Miami's able to drop one, Seattle's house money at that point. Because it literally doesn't matter if you win or lose there. Yes, winning will help. Look, it doesn't matter if, if you're simply tied with Miami heading into that final game. Yeah. Or, yeah, that would be the scenario there. So I don't know. I kind of want to win it in. That's exciting. Yeah. And like I, the way it looks, there's four games to go. There's plenty to go. But like I would not be fearing playing Miami right now. I don't care if we beat them with Skylar Thompson before. I'm not thinking about that game. That that game's out. It's irrelevant in my head now. The way Miami's playing right now, they, they can uh, beat them again. And maybe we go down there. Door is open. We do a live pod at Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah. Door is wide open. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we head off? I think I think that's everything we wanted to address for tonight. Uh, yeah, offense, just we need more. Defense, continue to do what you're doing. Try to, not try, get us a turnover next week. And, yeah, special teams, just be better. That's what I would say for each unit. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, surprisingly, Brent Boyer's units are usually pretty good, but he's got to talk with Barrios or, or do something. Yeah, figure it out. Yeah. All right, well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. You can follow us on Twitter for all of our updates at GoodBadJetsPods. And you can follow me on Twitter at BeFerrisVerified.
Good. Yep. Thank you, Brandon. As always, you can check me out on Twitter at sklein824 and on TikTok at nyjetsk824. All right. Well, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll get back to you with our preview later this week. Thanks, everyone.